The following audio is a collection of stories shared during worship at Trinity Presbyterian Church on March 5th, 2017. Good morning. Welcome to worship on this first Sunday of Lent. My name is Mary Graves, one of the pastors here at Trinity. And several weeks ago, the children in this church, they made signs. And in Romanian, you can see on this first one, can't really read it, but that's a Romanian child, and she's holding one of the cards. It has a picture of one of our children, and in Romanian it says, Dumnezeu te iubeste, God loves you. And we took several of those pictures with those signs that said God loves you, and they are all over Romania in the hands of children and families from our children and our families, because you sent a team, a team of eight of us, to travel to Romania. We just got back a week ago. A few of us still have a little bit of jet lag going on. But we are so excited to tell you what God did, how God's love met us through the work of World Vision Romania. And their three tenets are, they are Christ-centered, they are child-focused, and they are community-based. And our partnership is a joy and a delight in communicating God's love around the world. So you're invited to to stand with us uh, as we sing The Church is One Foundation. You will see, you can go ahead and stand, go. There you go. And you'll notice this rock right here on the communion table. Throughout Lent, we will be using the metaphor of a rock. And as we sing this song, the fact that we are in Christ standing on a solid rock, there is a foundation that doesn't change. Governments come and go, but the foundation of Jesus Christ endures forever. So let's sing the church's one foundation and worship God. You may be seated. So when we traveled to Romania, we went all the way up the length of the country to the northwest part, which is Transylvania. And you'll see a picture here of Cipri, someone who actually came to this church a few years ago, who's on the World Vision Romania staff, and he began our orientation, their staff and our team in a big circle, and he connected with the tumult that's been going on in their own country, protests going to the street, and the tumult's been going on in our country, protests going to the street, and he showed a picture of this particular protest sign which was used in Romania, And you probably can't read it, so I'll tell you what it says, but you probably have heard of it. It says, they tried to bury us. They didn't know we are seeds. And as we traveled throughout the country, we certainly saw the work of World Vision as resurrection seeds, is what I like to call them. He talked about how for 50 years, communism had silenced their voices, and yet the body of Christ And the resurrected Jesus is alive in us, and life goes on. How did Jesus respond to the powers of oppression at work in the world when he lived on this earth? In a shocking way, he didn't storm the halls of injustice and shoot the dictators dead as they did Ceausescu in 1989. He actually let the powers of oppression bury him. And he was raised to new life, defeating their power forever, for all time, 
and giving to us this ministry of hope, this ministry of justice and peace and vulnerability and self-sacrificing love. So this song we're going to sing as an affirmation of the power of Jesus Christ liberating each one of us from everything that oppresses, the sin at work in our lives, the sin at work in the world. This Tezé's song is the way we began Lent. The kingdom of God is justice and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Open, O Lord, to us the gates of righteousness. So in the name of Jesus Christ, we are set free to be God's resurrection seeds in our own families and communities and around the world. Thanks be to God. Peter will play the song one time. So, good morning, everyone. Um, so, in case you didn't hear, me and eight other people went to Romania for two weeks. It was an amazing experience. Uh, out of many stories I have, one about a school really touched me. Uh, we went to the school about kids your age, um, and I was filled with joy just about their eagerness to learn and to be there. Um, and to know that World Vision uh, funds the school just makes me more happy. Um, these kids made these March 1st cards, which is the first of spring for them. Um, and the GO team was standing in front of the classroom, and um, the kids just having a good time with the kids and answering questions about our country. Um, and this kid started to hand out these cards, and I was just really happy. I couldn't stop smiling because uh, I knew I would cherish them forever. Uh, I fell in love with these children's happiness and smiles because I know that most of them, when they have to go home, it's not always the best. And to see them so joyful just made me uh, have hope for their future. Um, I really wanted to learn something about myself on this trip, and um, I did. I learned that I have a hidden passion for children that I think I want to explore in my future. So thank you for listening. And you are excused to go to Children's Church. Which is a place for children at risk to come and to be tutored and to be fed a hot meal because most of them don't have enough to eat and to find a way to support them to be educated because the problem in Romania is that the rural areas are so isolated and they are functionally illiterate and it's getting worse so they are so cut off and they have so many reasons and so many obstacles that this is getting worse but one of the young women that was in the remedial center there she is her name's Bianca and they were working on these cards and they were making things uh, like that but they were also doing projects like painting she is really gifted at painting and she gave us as a gift a painted icon and it's of the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And this is the story and the icon that led us in our debrief day. So I want you to hear this story that one of the children of Romania gave to us through her art. 
So this is Luke 16, verses 19 to 31, a story that Jesus told. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things and Lazarus in like manner evil things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us, a great chasm has been fixed so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one can cross from there to us. He said, Then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them, so that they will not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. He said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. This is the gift of God's word. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Kristen told me to use my mom's voice, so here it is. Um, first of all, um, heartfelt thanks to all of you in the congregation for your support and your prayers to allow us to make this trip to Romania. It truly is a life-changing experience, and I'm very grateful to have had the opportunity, so thank you. Um, I want to share a story uh, about um, our walk up the mountain. Uh, the Trinity team, along with some World Vision staff and three young women, climbed a mountain. We were accompanying sisters aged 8, 11, and 14 from the village to their home at the top of the hill. The climb was fairly steep, sometimes icy, and definitely very muddy, a four-kilometer journey that they make daily to go to school, church, or the village, sometimes in the morning before sunrise, sometimes at night. As we climbed, I asked the oldest, Rebecca, if she spoke English. She replied that she did, but it was not very good. Well, her English was excellent, and we struck up the conversation about her life in Romania. We had lots of time. It was a long hike for the Trinity team. Rebecca spoke of her family with such tenderness, especially her grandmother, who lives with them, and her mother, who cares for her in addition to the rest of the family. She spoke of her father and the work he does to provide food from their limited farm of chickens and a cow. Her family loves music. Her father and her middle sister, Estella, can sing. Her mother, not so much. She loves God and her church. Surprisingly, her family is Baptist, a definite minority in this Orthodox country. The family goes to church every Sunday and Wednesday, sometimes Fridays as well. 
I must admit that I was stunned at this family's devotion. I asked if it was hard at night or when it snowed or rained. She said yes, sometimes, but it is what they do. She has dreams as any other teenager. She likes psychology and maybe wants to be a teacher or a lawyer. She hopes to go to high school. Since the village does not have high school, she would need to take a bus from the village to the city of Cluj. My guess is that it would be a trip of at least an hour and a half a day. She says that just walking from the home is usually about 30 minutes. I need to add that it probably took us an hour and a half. <laughs> so, um, just to give you some perspective. Uh, she is a bright young woman who deserves a high school education. Although we take this for granted in the US, most Romanian children in the villages never get this opportunity. When we reached her home, it was hard to believe that they live in such isolation. There were no houses near them, although we understand that his brother lives even higher on the hill. They recently got electricity, but still have no plumbing or running water. The family shares two rooms. We shared lunch with the family, and Rebecca so gently offered her grandmother a sandwich and comforted her grandmother as she was a bit overwhelmed with this large number of visitors. So I, when, when arriving there, I learned from the World Vision staff that the two younger sisters had sponsors, or friends as they call them in World Vision. Um, but Rebecca does not. So I guess you probably can figure out how this went. <laughs> God had a plan for me to meet Rebecca on the hill, and we are sponsoring Rebecca. So I'm going to let Dave finish, let Dave finish our story. I'm Dave. Good morning, everyone. Oh, thank you. That doesn't happen every day. Um, I'd like to add another chapter to the story that Mindy just told you about uh, the walk up the hill. Um, let's see, what was it? Uh, anyways, the story or the chapter starts with uh, our sponsorship of a child. And uh, we had hoped to visit the child that we had sponsored when we went to Romania. Uh, unfortunately, that didn't happen for reasons that are all too common in Romania. Uh, in this case, uh, the father had gone to another country to do day labor uh, because there really were no opportunities in his village. And he apparently did okay. Uh, in fact, he'd done well enough that he had the opportunity to bring his family to him to visit uh, where he worked. Uh, and so even though we were a bit disappointed about not being able to visit our child, we were happy for them because they were able to be reunited for a period of time. So the uh, World Vision staff, uh, realizing we might be disappointed, and schemers that they are, uh, went into the back room and came up with a plan. They did a couple things. Uh, uh, the one that I'm going to tell you about is that they decided that we would like to sponsor another child or at least had an interest. Uh, and so they said, let's just go through our list. We'll find somebody. There, we, we have lots of deserving children. We'll come up with somebody who we think has lots of potential. You'll be happy with this. And you're here so you can visit the child. So Mindy and I thought about this and I said, no, this just seems a little contrived, a little bit awkward. We'll pass, but not to worry. We'll sponsor another child. We're all good. We'll just figure that out when we get home. So sure enough, the next day, what happens? We're walking up the mountain, and Mindy establishes a rapport with uh, the oldest daughter. Uh, the younger daughters, they claim to speak not much English at all, but 
they spoke a couple of words, but to be fair, uh, they didn't say much in Romanian either. So I took this to mean that they were uh, a bit shy, and they were more than happy to let the older sister take care of this for them. And she did a spectacular job. So we get to the top of the mountain, and we go into the house. And by this time, we'd had enough visits that we knew some of the things to look for, one of which is a stove, because in Romania, uh, particularly in the villages, all of the cooking, all of the heating is done by burning wood. And uh, one of the big problems there is that uh, these creaky stoves are inefficient, but they leak a lot, and so there's a lot of smoke inhalation in homes. So we see there's a stove. That looks good. Uh, another thing that we knew about that World Vision was doing was providing washing machines, because if you see the conditions there, you wonder how in the world does anybody ever wash their clothes and actually get them clean? So we see a washing machine there. Uh, and it's a typical thing in Romania, there's no running water, so washing means running out to the well, picking up some buckets, coming to the house, dumping it in the reservoir, and then running the washing machine. So, uh, so that was good, too. So finally, we come around to what uh, uh, World Vision was doing with the children. And there again, some fairly typical stuff. Uh, helping out with school. There are fees and books and supplies and, and things that they do. And, uh, but anyway, somewhere along the line, somebody talked about two of the daughters being uh, sponsored. And so, well, which one is the third? Who's not being sponsored? Well, you already know, because Mindy let the cat out of the bag. But, so we said, well, this is it. All of these schemes from yesterday, no need for that, because we, we found the child that we want to sponsor. Uh, really talented young women, and we feel really good about uh, what we can do to help out. So anyways, uh, a little bit of time went by, and we both looked at each other and said, well, this is some sort of a God moment, because there was a whole sequence of events that occurred over a period of a couple of days. Some of them you heard about, some of you didn't, but it all just seemed so improbable that it all just went to the right place. So, anyways, pardon? Sponsor a child. Sponsor a child, yes. Uh, so, anyways, my hope for you is that uh, you all will have some of the opportunities that we had, namely... Yes. And so uh, I know there are some of you out there who might think of this as uh, shameless pandering for your hard-earned dollars, and you're absolutely right, it is. So sponsor a child. And uh, thanks for your time, and God bless. <clears throat>
He seemed to look empty, like his body is an empty shell, and his soul had moved on. The way Ollie looked was like he was crying for help, as if he needed a shoulder to cry on and tell him everything is going to be all right. But I felt that even saying that to him won't work. I feel, as, I feel that he lost hope and faith in God, and, that, and I could see why. He never got to experience the, beautiful, the beauty in life. He never experienced what it was like to be a regular teenager and he never got to see the greener side on the greener side on the grass. This made me feel terrible because while I had some suffering of my own, I always got to experience the beauty and the tragedy of life, never just one. I wish I could go back to the family and talk to Ali. I wish I could have done something different. I think the reason God brought this to my attention is because there are going to be more people just like Ali. And God is showing, that, showing me that there are more opportunities for me to be the shoulder they could cry on, for me to help them see not only the tragedy in life, but beautiful things. God gave me this opportunity to show them the grass is greener on the other side, to let me put back the hope and the faith inside them, to remind them of what life could be like if you hold on a little longer. I know I have compassion and sympathy for sad people, but what I learned while writing this is that I am full of compassion and sympathy towards the ones who have only seen tragedy in their lives, and that I could restore the hope and faith in them. And when I grow up to be an adult, I would like to take up this type of job who helps others going through a crisis. And when I get back to the U.S., I want to make sure I could help anybody that needs a shoulder or just anybody's personal crisis center. And I want to make sure I could seek out those who need help or is crying for help. Thank you. A life-changing story for me. It's about the Puka family. It's a family of five, two parents, three children, Andre, seven, Andrea, 15, and Magdalena, 16, who no longer lives in the home with the family. They live in a small village in the mountains. The wife stays home, and the husband is a day laborer. The mom was recently diagnosed with cervical cancer and under medical care. While we were visiting, the two children were home in bed sick. Andrea, the daughter, has a calcium defect and she was experiencing seizures, and she lay in bed with her brother with big black circles under her eyes. The mom couldn't afford chemo and was no longer getting care, and for a while, her daughter was her caregiver. Later, while writing this, I realized why I identified with this family, with the mom and daughter, and it's because at 16, I was the caregiver for my grandmother who passed away from colon cancer. We also learned that because of her illness, she was unable to follow up on her child's education and that the children were not doing well in school. After she finished talking to us, her husband walked in. He was carrying a big jug of milk and a hunk of fresh goat cheese. And this was the family's meal, not just for today but for some time. 
He introduced himself and he asked how we were doing. We asked how he was doing. He said, not so well. That he picks mushrooms and berries to support his family in the winter, in the, in the spring. But this winter was really hard and that he had to go to Europe to earn some money. He worked hard as a day laborer with 12 other men and they all slept in the same room. And the money that he earned each day, he kept in a little vest that he wore. And at night, he rolled his vest up and he slept on it. On his last day, he decided he needed a shower. He was going to take a shower, and he was going to a coffee shop and treat himself with some coffee before he left to go back to Romania. Took his shower, and when he put on his clothes and got to the coffee shop, he realized that his identification and the 1,700 euros that he earned were missing. And so he eventually made his way back to Romania without any money and any identification and any way to support his family. And that morning he was out talking with his neighbors, getting some goat milk and cheese so that they could survive. And at this point, two things happened for me. My heart broke, and God spoke to me. While I was standing in their home, all warm and bundled up, he said, give her your scarf. She is cold. Show her some compassion. Tell her I love her. I did as I was told. I learned something about myself at that moment. At that moment, I realized I valued things and objects. And real value is in people and relationships. And unfortunately, I had to travel all the way to Romania to find that out. That God wants me to live like I value people. And so today, I ask you to value people. I want to thank you, Trinity, for sending me to Romania on this life-changing trip. Will the ushers come forward? Good morning. This is Romana. She's a social worker with World Vision. You'll have to ask me later why she's wearing the cow hat. Uh, I first met her when we joined the World Vision staff for their Monday morning devotional. That is where I heard the verse I'm about to read. The reading that morning had to do with the protests that are going on in Romania against government corruption. The next evening we, evening, we went to Romana's home for dinner with her family. I sat next to their 16-year-old son, who is an expert on everything. As you can well imagine, we had a lively conversation, especially since I, too, am an expert on everything. I learned from her son that the IT outsourcing industry is happening in Cluj. When he found out that part of my job is outsourcing, he stridently told me, outsourcing stifles innovation. I looked at his dad, who winked at me. I learned that he does not have a car and has no plans to get one. This started another interesting conversation that involved our car-crazed American culture. That evening of fabulous fellowship prepared me for other conversations with Ramona, with Romana later. At another event, I learned that Romana worked as a social worker in a Romanian orphanage a couple of years after the fall of communism. 
She was responsible for trying to reunite the orphans there with their families, many times with poor results. She told me how World Vision introduced the idea of foster care to Romania, modeling their program after the ones we have here in the United States. She did not know until then of the interest that Deb and I have in foster care and, and adoption. We had quite the conversation. She gave us a ride home that night, and on the way, we were at a stop sign, and there was a knock on the window. An eight- or nine-year-old boy was selling flowers at 10 o'clock at night. I will never forget the look on his face. It looked like a combination of fear, hopelessness, and courage. I asked Romana if he was earning money for his family or for someone else. She said she hopes it is his family. Everyone in the car was pretty quiet after that. I have such respect for Romana and the work of World Vision in Romania. They are dedicated and they are effective. This verse makes me think that there are some things that government might help us with, but if we are really concerned about the poor, that the church will continue to take them under our arm. This is Isaiah 10, 1 through 4, with the message translation. Doom to you who legislate evil who make laws that make victims, laws that make misery for the poor, that rob my destitute people of dignity, exploiting defenseless widows, taking advantage of homeless children. What will you have to say on Judgment Day when Doomsday arrives out of the blue? Who will, get you, who will you get to help you? What good will your money do? A sorry sight you'll be then, huddled with the prisoners or just some corpses stacked in the street. Even after all this, God is still angry, his fist still raised, ready to hit them again. This is the gift of God's word.